Welcome to Energy Matters, where we explore alternative health in the Pioneer Valley. I'm your host, Caroline Rutterman, and I'm a Reiki professional and intuitive in Northampton, Massachusetts. For the past nine years, I've been teaching people how to use their intuition and helping them reduce stress and anxiety. Together, we'll talk with other practitioners and learn how they bring health and healing to the Pioneer Valley. Let's do this. Hey, welcome, welcome, everyone. You are listening to Energy Matters on Valley Free Radio, 103.3 WXOJ. Um, and so today we have a great show for you. We are here, well, first of all, we're here with one of my my summer co-hosts, Marietta Skeen. So welcome, Marietta. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Yes, of course. Um, so Marietta, tell us a little bit about um, the guests that you're you're bringing on to Energy Matters today. Who, who, who are we chatting with today? Who are we chatting with? We are chatting today with Nini Melvin. Nini is, I think, someone whose name I heard before I even met in the Valley. Uh, she has quite a reputation as a shiatsu practitioner, trained as a dancer, and I think li- lives as a dancer in her body, uh, and an apprentice to m- many, many people in my community who adore her deeply. Um, she has an amazing studio, Meridian's, uh, Meridian's Pathways of the Heart, I believe, is the full name, and uh, and just so much wisdom. So I'm really happy she's here today. Me too. So yeah. welcome, Nini. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me here today. Nini, I'm so glad you're here. I'm just realizing that maybe it was six years ago that we first, I came in to do her shiatsu uh, uh, something training maybe, but I didn't last very long before I realized hands-on was more than I could handle. But continued to study with her about the five elements, and it was a really sweet connection. So, thank you for being here today. Such a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, glad to be here. Mm. Yeah, me too. And I'm hoping that maybe you'll start by describing your work for us. I'm sure you can do a better job than I have already. (laughs) You've done fine. You've done great. So um, I like to think of my work as a way of life. Um, And this way of life is based on understanding that basically we are all made of the same ingredients. In fact, all of life is made of the same ingredients. We're made up, our, our form, our bodies are made up of water and wood and fire and earth and metal, minerals, breath. And the formless aspect is made up of spirit or prana or chi or ki. So we have this physical reality and we have this energetic reality and that we all have these ingredients and we're all really unique recipes. So my work is based on understanding the ingredients that we're made up of and um, bringing ourselves fully to being our authentic and true nature selves, what I like to call our essential selves, by embodying all of the elements and by claiming the space for our spirit to be living in this human form for this lifetime. 
No small project there, huh? <laughs> well, I can't think of a better project. <laughs> True that. Yeah. So um, for me, the work is really to encourage people to live fully as their authentic selves. I truly believe that that is why we're here. We come to this life to shed what isn't true and evolve into our more essential true nature. And I find that this uh, work using the five elements is such a great way to fully embody the different aspects of ourselves. Just like nature has seasons, so do we. And we cycle through these seasons and we're made up of all these ingredients and some of us are fierier and some of us are waterier. And um, we could really respect and learn from each other if we weren't always comparing and competing, but we were more interested and curious about well, what's the recipe that you're made of? Mm -hmm. Who are you? And who am I if I'm really true to myself, if I'm really being authentically myself? How watery am I? How fiery am I? So the, the journey, it's really a journey. It's, it's, I, I can hardly even call it work at this point in my life. The journey is really about claiming all the parts of ourselves and shedding the parts that no longer serve us. Mm. <laughs> and Nini, when you kind of talk about um, this idea of living in our full potential, how, how do you understand that? Like, because there are these kind of different elements and these different pieces that everybody embodies. So what is what is living living fully? How do you understand that concept? Because that's kind of a big, that's a big thing. And it's very... Um, yeah, it's 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 unique and it's different. And I think that, you know, I think there's this kind of thing when the people throw around casually, just be yourself. Mm. Just be yourself. And it's like, but you know, what as you're that? Yeah, what <laughs> but what is that? Like what does that mean? And I think that, that that's a, a piece of the puzzle that sometimes gets a little lost. So I'm I'm curious as to how you understand what, what um living in your kind of full potential and, and living fully means to you. Such a great question, because sometimes when we think of living fully, we think of getting busier. Like, oh, I, my life is so full that I don't have a minute to take a deep breath. That is not what we're talking about here. In fact, we have to find that balance of fullness and emptiness, which is what everything is a balance of fullness and emptiness, darkness and light and um, earth and sky. So the way I like to understand that about living fully is really a, a belief that I have. And um, I'm sure not everyone shares this belief, but I really do believe that we come from somewhere. We come from some realm, some non-physical realm, some energetic realm. And I like to call it spirit, spirit realm. In Chinese medicine, it's called Shen. And Shen with a capital S is all of Shen, all of spirit, all of energy. And Shen with the small s is the part that you get for this lifetime. Mm. So this Shen, this spirit part of you, enters your form and resides in what I like to call the sacred palace of your heart. So literally in Chinese medicine, the heart is the guide for your life because it's the home of your Shen. So the spirit comes into your form. And I like to think of it as 
um, a way that I get to experience being human. Like if I think about the human part of me and all the trials and tribulations and challenges and joys of being a human, there's still more to life than that. So for me, this Shen part, the spirit part, is the part that is having a human experience. You know, it's never damaged. It's never traumatized. It's pure and it will enter your form when you are born and it will leave your form when you die. And it's here to have a human experience. And it's here to reside in this human form, this body, your body, my body. Each person has this vessel for the spirit. So the body's the vessel and the heart is the palace inside the vessel for the spirit to reside. So for me, a lot of times what we think living fully is, we think it's being all of the human part of ourselves, like all the ways that I can be so many things as a human. But for me, living fully is really embodying a kind of a spaciousness, a kind of a formlessness that lives inside this human aspect, inside this form. And the spirit gets to live fully by being spirit in human form. So for me, this life is really about balancing this form and this formless. And in order to live fully, we can embrace these aspects of ourselves. So we're not just in the human day-to-day -day grind. So for example, um, you know, in the pandemic, we could really get trapped in this, oh my God, my human form, I'm in danger and I have to be safe and I have to protect myself and I can't go out. And, you know, we had all these ways that the human self was restricted. Hopefully in times like that and in times when we have to be more still and be more inward, we start to connect with something greater than that. And for me, that was that sense of being part of a global world. It's not just Americans. It's not just us here in Massachusetts. It's the whole world. And so it gives us that more global, what I like to think of as like widening the camera lens. I used to call it zooming out, but now zooming out has to do with <laughs> computers instead of uh, apertures. <laughs> so if you zoom out, you can see that there's this uh, unity. And this unity um, is for me an acknowledgement that there's way more to us than just my personal story and just my personal life. So that integration of personal and global and human and spirit feels like what living fully can potentially be. Hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling myself just transfixed listening and uh, uh, you're just sharing so much. Um, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot here. Um, so as you're speaking, I'm, I'm thinking to kind of, uh, I loved hearing about the Shen living in the palace of the heart. And I'm curious about the name of your studio as Meridian's Pathway to the Heart. 
And I'm wondering if you could share a little more about that concept. I would love to. Um, I learned shiatsu. Um, I, this is my 40th year in shiatsu, so I've been at it for quite some time. And wow. um, when I learned shiatsu, I learned the meridians from charts. And I learned all about, you know, this one goes from here to there, and that one goes from there to here. And um, I had learned the basic concept that, you know, the heart is, excuse me for saying it's called the emperor. And I'm like, I don't know why, but I just can't resonate with my heart being an emperor. And so I tried empress that didn't work so well either. Now I think of it as the sacred palace where the divine guide lives. And so what I wound up learning more and more as I studied, went back in time and studied more Chinese medicine is that every meridian is in service to the heart. Hmm. In fact, everything about you, about your life is in service to your heart. Why is that? Because your spirit lives in your heart and is here to have this experience. So your nose and your sense of smell serves your heart. Your toes and your ability to step on the earth is in service to your heart. Your liver meridian, your heart meridian, your gallbladder meridian, they're in service to your heart. So I named my studio uh, Meridians, Pathways to the Heart to remember that this is not just a study of some ancient Chinese technique that is exclusive to people who know how to insert a needle in a point or know how to touch a pressure point with thumbs, elbows, or knees like we do in shiatsu, but it is really a way to access life as it expresses itself in the human form so the spirit can be here having this experience. And so when I think about how the meridians serve the heart, think about the heart meridian, that's kind of an easy one. Well, the heart meridian serves the heart. Well, that kind of makes sense, but how does the kidney meridian serve the heart? So kidney meridian is part of the water element. So how does water serve the heart? Well, the heart, in order to live in a body, it needs all of the elements. It needs us to be able to allow the elements to move through us, just like Mother Earth needs to have the rivers and the oceans. We need these pathways for these elements to move in order to stay in a body, in order to serve the heart. Mm. So we stay alive, right? Everything is based on being able to stay alive in this human form as long as the spirit is meant to be here. So this kidney meridian is connected to our sense of vitality, our ability to go deep within and understand something and bring our vitality into the world, our inner knowing, our inner wisdom, be guided by that inner knowing. So how does that serve the heart? Well, if my inner knowing is um, deep and rich, my inner knowing guides me to live my life and use my vitality in service to my journey here on earth, in service to my heart, in service to my Shen. I hope that made sense how the meridian has a quality that then gives itself, gives its devotion and its um, pure nature to the heart. It serves the heart. And so all of the meridians serve the heart. Mm. So that hence the name 
meridians, pathways to the heart, because that's what they are. They're ways for us to understand how to live fully. Mm. Well, I really enjoyed um, just, well, one, that song. That was very (laughs) (laughs) Solange, I'm taking notes. Here we go. Um, But also hearing more about uh, Nini, kind of the name of your studio as Meridians and the Pathways of the Heart and just this whole idea of living authentically and how your, um, I don't know, your way of life is is rippling. I, I see it rippling uh, quite a bit. And and uh, just now I was reminded as I'm seeing you move and groove to the music of your dance background. And I can't help but connect it with, I got uh, the wonderful pleasure of visiting Nini at her studio a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. And we went through the studio like I've done way, way back when, a couple years ago when I was hanging out there more. And we just went through each of the elements. And it was such an embodied experience. I mean, it was a journey. And I wonder if you could share a bit more. I mean, you sort of mentioned, and I thought of this a lot when we first met, of how traditional Chinese medicine, when you read it in a book, is very black and white, very kind of linear. Here's the chart, and this is what it is, you know. And I'm just curious if you could say a little bit more about the physical space, which I know means a lot to you, and, and sort of how, how does it function? What, I don't know. Sure. So um, for me, my background is in movement, and I've always been a a sensory person, a kinesthetic person. And so I remember being a little kid in the natural world and um, like watching light sparkle on water and watching how the movements of nature and I could move like that. And so I've always had this sense of uh, being part of nature and moving with nature um, and not having a sense of separation. And then, you know, you learn how to be a kid in school and fold your hand on your desk and and it all kind of gets blurry and removed in some way. And so part of the purpose of me having a studio and me doing this work in the world is for us to go back to an embodied remembering. Like this is not something that you have to study and impose on yourself. This is inner wisdom. This is inner knowing. So when you um, think about the seasons, and my studio is set up according to the seasons uh, from a five element perspective, you know, in the winter, it's darker, it's the water time, and it's more blue black, and it has this mysterious quality about it, and it's more contractive, and so it makes you go more inward. So there's a section of the studio with pictures of nature and pictures of the meridians, which are very unique uh, in that they're an expression of the meridian. So for example, it's not a chart of the back of the body. It's a woman standing in the waterfall and the water going down her back and the meridians are identified on the back of her body. This is how I relate to the meridians that they're movements of nature. So Mm -hmm. you go from the water in a circle to the wood element and the wood element is about springtime. So we go from this inner dreamy darker time to this time of rebirth and this incredible force of rising so we rise up into the wood and we have new beginnings and new ideas and the dreams become visions and the visions become plans and you know we just start to grow into a kind of a fullness and um 
that's what spring is about. And then as spring keeps going into summer, everything starts to bud up and bloom and express its true nature and emit fragrance and open up and emit light. I mean, I look at the heart of flowers and I see light coming out of them. So the fire section of the room has a lot of uh, emerging light images and uh, the meridians express that creativity, that light coming out of someone's heart, this kind of energetic. And after summer completes its fullness, we begin to harvest and we begin to gather and it's um, a descending that happens at that point where we come back down and into ourselves and all that beauty becomes nourishment. So we take it in and we smell it and we taste it and it becomes earth and it becomes our earth. It becomes part of our body. And when we take that earth in, we become abundant and then we have a lot to share so earth is a lot about that sharing, like at harvest time when we get together and we have plenty. Somebody has more zucchini and somebody has more apples and you share them and you cook them together and you eat together and you come together in community. And earth is very much about that abundance and that generosity and reciprocity, you know, that there's an exchange. This is an element that we need way more of in our world because we've gotten so carried away with greed. You know, people think they need more, 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 and then others don't have enough. And so earth is really about making peace with that sharing and that reciprocity that everyone should be fed. Everyone should reap the harvest and benefit and have a place here on earth where they're comfortable and grounded and safe. And then the next season after harvest is autumn and things start to shed and fall away. And I have a big uh, amethyst quartz in that section of the room. And it's about clarifying. It's about gathering up the seeds, the potential for the future and clearing away what is no longer in service. So composting, when we put the debris in the compost, it becomes fertilizer for the future. And then the seeds that we've gathered in autumn become the potential that we then take into the water, into the winter, and back into the dream time. So we go water, wood, fire, earth, metal, minerals, and goes round and round like the seasons. And that's how the studio is set up. And that's how the meridians are set up. Mm. So. That's how my space is set up. And uh, that is also the basis of uh, a book that I'm writing that's hopefully going to finish itself this year, which is called <laughs> Meridian's Pathways to the Heart. Mm. It's also based on that cyclical, seasonal way that we can live in harmony with nature because we are made up of the same ingredients. Mm. Woof. We just kind of went on that journey. I'll speak for myself. I really felt that um, really going through all the seasons. I'd love to hear. Just remember the heart is the in the heart center. Is in the center. So there's a big heart in the center of the room on the floor. So when you go around the room from all the seasons, you're always going from the reference point of meridians, energy, elements to heart, heart to element, element to heart, heart to element, element to heart. Mm. So there's that reminder that the heart is at the center. 
Sorry, I interrupted you. Mary. No, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm just remembering being in there and each, you know, uh, day that I would arrive, I'd sort of be gravitating towards one element, you know, and she has uh, cushions and blankets all mm. fitting the color of each element. So there's this interesting dialogue just being in the space around well, what's alive in me now, you know, what's moving through and um, I found that really wonderful to so embodied, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can also feel like, oh, I don't, I don't relate to that one. I have an aversion to that one. And, and that's a good one for you to befriend. You know, like some of us have tendencies, like I can get pretty fired up about things. I have lots of ideas. I could be very woody and fiery. And, but I have to make sure that I stay grounded and rooted and take the nourishment in and, you know, balance it with earth. So I like that you said that there were places that you felt drawn and there might be places that, you know, you didn't feel quite so comfortable and, and to remember that you're all five, mm. that you're a unique recipe of all five and that we all are. What I love about that is we can't judge each other anymore. You know, it's a non-judgmental universal language. It doesn't matter if you have more fire or less fire. It's your unique recipe. And that's partially what living fully and living truly is, is to claim your unique recipe, to be that unique recipe. Mm. So are you saying, Nini, that people can have their unique recipe, but they can also learn and evolve or include other elements? Absolutely. Can- there are ways that you may have had experiences with an element that weren't pleasant, One example is the wood element can get very bossy. And if you were raised in an environment where there was a bossy parent, maybe a controlling, shouting kind of energy, which is what happens when (laughs) wood gets a little out of balance, um, then you might have an aversion to wood and you might decide, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not that. And then when you um, come to the five element universal language and you start to realize that's not healthy wood. Who am I as healthy wood? How can I embody what healthy wood is like? Then you turn to nature and you say, show me healthy wood. Here we live in the Happy Valley. There's gorgeous healthy wood, plants and trees, things growing that show you what healthy wood is. The trees aren't shouting and, and controlling each other. They're cooperating So you can embody the healthy aspect of that, even if you have an aversion to it, because maybe you had a bad experience with it. One more example is if somebody in your family or in your upbringing was very creative and very much the center of the universe, you may kind of dull your fire. You may try to control your fire like my fire is not welcome here. I'm just going to hide it. And so you may find yourself Um, afraid to express yourself. And it could turn into panic. It could turn into anxiety because there's nowhere for your fire to feel safe, to be its radiance, to be its luminous self. So this is part of the healing is claiming the each element in its way that nature shows us is in balance. So you get to be in balance for all of the elements and the ones that aren't in balance they're your greatest teachers. Mm. Nini, I feel like you're speaking directly to my soul today. <laughs> <laughs> May it I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. 
this is soul work. This is yeah, soul work. really. I mean, that's the whole thing about being a human. I love that song that you played too, because it's like, I'm in this human realm and I'm doing all the things that I do to try to escape from being a human and there are cranes in the sky. And that for me is very symbolic of the spirit, you know, being able to feel the spirit and the spaciousness of the sky. So hopefully it speaks to the human and the spirit, all of it. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of how healing this can be, you know, and healing not just in a cerebral, here's what my childhood was like, you know, but like walk out and connect with the trees. What a beautiful way to heal. I really, um, in my writing, one of the things that I came up with is if you have a question, nature is, nature has the answer. Nature is the answer. You know, first you can look out and go, oh, nature has the answer. And then you realize, oh, nature is the answer. It's showing me who I am. It's showing me how I can live in some kind of cyclical, harmonious, integrated way. Mm. Mm. And you already know it. And you already know it. Birthright. You were born with that wisdom. For me, what what I teach, what I share is to help people remember what they already know. Mm. I'm not trying to impose a theory on anyone. I'm not trying to, um, you know, put some structure into you that um, is cerebral or external. Um, my, my belief is that we all have an inner knowing and it's a matter of getting our, our stuff out of the way so we can remember. Mm and make contact with that inner knowing. Nini, this seems revolutionary. Like, I just keep wondering, how is it to be with other people in your field? Or like, do you ever get, I don't know, how does that relationship go, you know? I love that you called it revolutionary, because I've been saying, uh, so often that I am really uh, trying to lead a revolution because um, in the world of shiatsu that I've experienced, um, there has been a lot of kind of structural ways that um, it's all part of that same hierarchy, that same patriarchal hierarchy. And um, for me, it's not a big enough language. It's, It's too exclusive. Um, I don't want to speak a language that you can't understand. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be the one who says, well, I know and you don't. Mm -hmm. So um, it is a revolution. And um, I'm in a lot of uh, groups of colleagues now that are trying to work out things like even what to call ourselves. Because Mm -hmm. um, in our field, you know, I... I have been called master and I don't want to be called a master. Mm -hmm. I really want to be part of something. I don't want to be above anybody. And for me, when I hear master, I hear master slave. And so I can't abide by some of the, what I call the patriarchal terminology because it's just so extreme. And it's, you know, for me, the power trip of it isn't the journey that I'm on. Mm. So, and there's a lot of hierarchy in the world of, you know, I became a senior instructor and I da, 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 and all this kind of stuff. It's like, come on, let's just be together on this journey and share as deeply as possible. So 
I am finding colleagues who are willing to um, question that way that we were told to bow to the ones who know as if we don't mm -hmm. and um, kind of rewriting the history of it and saying actually everyone knows. And so how can we bring this in a universal way to everyone? Because mm -hmm. to make it a theory that you have to study for however many years so you can be a practitioner of, for me, that's only so certain number of people are going to do that. Yeah. Everyone can use this information. It's universal wisdom. So um, I used to train practitioners and train teachers, and I was so into that training people to do shiatsu. And now I'm like, anybody who wants to learn this language, I want to teach this language. I'm teaching meridians to people who could care less about being practitioners, but they're useful. <laughs> Mm -hmm. They're very useful. If you have a stomach ache, if you have intestinal distress, if you have a headache, the meridians will help you. So it's for everyone. Mm -hmm. And that is um, a challenge in my, in my history of shiatsu, but not in the present. We are, we are having a revolution mm. for everyone. I'm so glad to hear that you have comrades. Oh, my goodness. I really do. Mm. I really have found a, a handful one of my teachers from the early 80s has been encouraging me and she's getting me to write all this stuff and she's publishing it in all these periodicals like Acupuncture Today and NCAOM and, and, and I'm getting to express. And if I can say one of my real revolutionary ways is that we have polarized yin-yang. We call it yin and yang. There's no such thing. Yin-yang is yin-yang. It's one thing. And if we polarize them, then we start to create duality. And with duality, we can start to polarize. We see it in our um, gender fluidity movement. It's like, stop polarizing us. We're not this or that. We're everything. Mm. So for me, my revolution with yin-yang is that yin-yang are movements from earth towards sky and sky toward earth. And that's how the meridians go. They go from earth to sky. We used to call them yin meridians. I call them yinward to yangward. And yang meridians, what we used to call yang meridians, they go from sky to earth. So they go from yangward, from the expansiveness, down and in and through us into the density. So yin yang are movements. They're not polarized opposites. And so that's a big revolution that I'm working on right now because I'm so sick of male, female, active, passive, sorry, passive, you know, I just don't resonate with those polarizing terminologies that create dominance and power struggles. So that's a big revolution is the unifying yin yang instead of polarizing it. I hope that I didn't go too theoretical on you there. I'm, I'm enthralled. I love, I just, I'm really struck by how universal and how many different realms you're dancing through, even just in ex describing this. I mean, yeah, it's big. It's an exciting way of life. It really is. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder if you could share with us any stories from clients or yourself or apprentices around healing, transformation, you know, kind of, uh, I guess, transformation, evolution, anything that sort of speaks to this, 
revolution that you've seen in your 40 years? I, I think the, the biggest, uh, the biggest revolution that I'm feeling now, maybe because I'm turning 65 this year, mm-hmm. but um, I'm really feeling like we have got to redo our relationship to death and dying, that we have this thing like life is good and death is bad, birth is good and dying is horrible. And um, I was raised that way when, when people in my family died, it was a big tragedy instead of it was their rite of passage to the next realm or to where, whatever wherever they're going, whatever is happening, it happens to everybody. So I'd like to share a story, a personal story with you um, about an experience that I had that helped so many people with this idea of what's supposed to happen when we leave our body and is it horrible or isn't it? And um, very personal story. My oldest sister uh, almost 20 years ago died of cancer and in the last weeks of her life, when she was lying in her bed, she was in her bed with her best friend for her whole life, and they were whispering to each other. Hmm. I was listening. And my sister said to her friend, do you remember when we were 11 years old and we were walking to school, and I told you that I had a dream that I was dying, and there was a big 52 in the sky? My sister was 52 years old and she was dying. She had that dream at 11 years old and she and her best friend remembered it. Now that experience, I have goosebumps even telling you the story. I know I got goosebumps too, too, right? When you like that pause, I was like. (laughs) So for me, that, that really was a story about destiny unfolding. Like, my sister somehow on some level conscious or not had an experience where she had an understanding that her life was not going to be long. And I can tell you, it wasn't conscious. She didn't say, I know I'm going to die when I'm 52. She just had that dream, but she remembered it. She lived such a full life. She traveled the world. She fought revolutions. She dismantled landmines. I mean, she was a real activist and revolutionary And she lived her whole life in 52 years. Mm. And my sense was when I heard that, that I had to go into a new dimension of having faith, that there's something way bigger than I can understand, but that there's a way that we come in and there's a way that we go out. And I don't know why it happens when it happens. Of course, I would love for her to still be alive today but there's some acceptance in me that destiny unfolds. And when the spirit is going to leave the form, the spirit leaves the form. Mm. And you could say it's a tragedy. She was only 52, but you could also say it was destiny unfolding. And that is an expression I use a lot because I hear stories so often about people who are struggling with something that happened that they think shouldn't have happened. Yeah. Um, just the other day, an apprentice called me pretty upset because um, her nephew died. And I could share that story with her and speak to her about why does a spirit leave a form at such a young age? And how can we make sense out of it? We can't with our mind. Yeah, It doesn't make sense to the mind, but it breaks the heart open. And on some level, that Shen living in the heart understands 
that spirit comes into form and spirit leaves form. And we don't know when or how or if it's going. We know if it's going to happen. <laughs> that much yeah. we know or how yeah so, I had you know it's it's funny that you're kind of talking about that it's like that it's the reminder it's like the shen you know that like the spirit that lives in our heart and I remember um you know my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer and she's fine now but like I was really upset and I was going for a hike and I was feeling all this grief and loss and I like leaned into it and I literally just heard the most beautiful song in my life I was and I started crying because I was just like it's beautiful and I I can't I couldn't possibly sing the song or even remember it but like leaning into the energy of that like deepest grief while I was like out in nature and like hiking like you know I was like oh my god like I literally just out loud just started bursting into tears and I was just like it's beautiful and it was a really like yeah like kind of hearing you talk about it in that context just like mm, that that brings it home for me too and so you were valuing the preciousness of life. You know, you could really feel and resonate with the preciousness of life. And if, if we're in denial about death, it's very difficult to understand that it is precious every moment because death can come any time. Mm -hmm. So that preciousness that you felt when you were on that walk and you heard that beautiful song it, the heartbreak, the heart breaks open and feels the grief of the potential loss of this precious life. So I, I think that's a beautiful example of things that humans think are negative that I don't think of as negative at all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Our hearts have to break open so we can really feel. Yeah. Well, I have a burning question for you, Nini. I really mm -hmm. want to know. And I've been asking, you know, all the guests for my little visit this summer, the same question, which is, do you have any thoughts or feelings or expressions on uh, the future of wellness in our culture? Wellness? I mean, it's hard to sort of, I'm learning from this interview, it's hard to delineate between activism, wellness, spirituality, embodiment, you know, I have no idea what we're talking about, except all of it. But um, yeah, anything? That you hope for? Absolutely. Um, first, I hope for wellness to stop being a capitalist product. I feel like we have sold wellness. If you buy enough of this or that, you will become well. And what I really truly believe is wellness comes from the inside out, not the outside in. I mean, we need guidance. We need um, each other. But um, so often we give away our power because we think somebody knows better than we do. And um, it's so um, prevalent in the Western medicine culture that, you know, the doctor knows, uh, you know, I recently had a knee injury and the doctor said, okay, don't bend your leg, I'll see you in a month. And that mm. was that. And I mean, and then they said, oh, it's doing better. So now you should start PT, but nobody's available for four weeks. So there's, in some way, we have a system that doesn't actually really give us the support we need. And fortunately for me, I go in for that. I go inside and I go, okay, you know your body, you can listen and your knee is your teacher and you're going to learn everything you can from this knee and from this experience. But um, I think wellness really has to start from us trusting ourselves more and, um, 
going into nature more and watching nature and how it transitions and transforms. You know, we see a tree fall in the forest and it decomposes and gives birth to more life. And we have to be able to see how that is um, a beautiful part of the cycle. So for me, wellness is role modeled for us in the natural world and not much in our capitalist world. And so we have to be really careful not to give our power away. We are so told that it, this one is the expert and they'll tell you and they know and you don't. And we have to ask questions. We have to say, I want to know, I want to learn. It's my body and I want to learn. Mm -hmm. So I think wellness needs to go to a, a, a yinward journey hmm. where we come into that inner knowing, that inner power, that inner listening that has so much wisdom. And then we have to reach out to each other and ask for support and help. Because hmm. vulnerability is a, is a great teacher. And if we don't feel safe, we can't be vulnerable. That's right. Mm. So Nini, we are coming to the top of the hour. Um, how can people learn more about, you know, how can people find you? How can they learn more about what you're doing? Um, yeah, give us any social media, website, email, phone number, whatever mm -hmm. feels good. Sure. My um, studio uh, website is Meridian's. Shiatsu. So there are two S's in the middle because meridians is plural. Meridiansshiatsu.com. I have an older website, ninimelvin.com, that actually has videos of me talking about uh, my apprenticeships and things like that. Um, there are two, one's more personal, one's more studio. Um, my email is ninimelvin at gmail.com. And that is the most dependable way. I always check my emails. I'm old fashioned that way. And um, love to get back to people. And I'm teaching now online, um, which is amazing because I have people from all over now. So it feels really good to be able to share this universal language as far and wide as possible. And I love to support people to uh, take steps on their healing path. So welcome. Fabulous. So thank you so much, Nini and Marietta, for, for coming on to Energy Matters today. It was, it was a pleasure to have you both here and to, you know, learn all about what you're doing. And, you know, it sounds like you're really doing some pretty interesting work and um, theorizing in the, the Pioneer Valley at the same time. So, so have a great weekend, everyone, and be well.